Amen, God, we thank You for Your presence here with us this morning. We thank You for Your promises on which we can stand. We thank You that You're a God who speaks to us wherever we are on the journey this morning. And so, Lord, come, speak to us through Your Word, we pray, and we ask this in Your Name. Amen. Please be seated. Can we just um, thank our amazing Switch team one more time for leading us this morning? We are so blessed. In fact, Tyrone was telling me, Pastor Tyrone was saying that even um, this morning over in our Buzz program, it's one of our Switch youth are actually doing the talk over there. And I love that, seeing these young people step into all that God has from discovering their gifts from a young age. Um, it's great to be sharing with you. I wanna say a special welcome to those joining us online as well, wherever you're linking in from. Really great to have you um, sharing with us. And we are continuing our series today in the book of Genesis, this series called In the Beginning. And uh, today we are up to looking at the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter two. And I wanna begin by reading this section of scripture to us. You can follow along on your devices or uh, in your Bibles, it'll be on the screen also. But let me read this to you, Genesis chapter two. From verse two, it says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden, there were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat, it, eat from it, you will certainly die. This is God's word to us this morning. And last week, Pastor Andrew showed us from Genesis 1 that we were created in the image of God, that every single person has incredible value and worth created in his image, and that, that our purpose is to reflect the image of our Creator God, like a giant mirror to reflect Him. And today, as we look at the Garden of Eden, we're going to hone in on one particular way in which God has called us to reflect His image. Just the other week, I was reading about Angeline and Richard Burke. Um, they had decided, they've decided to retire early and live perpetually aboard cruise ships rather than living on land. Um, they looked online, they determined that on average, they could string together voyages on various cruise ships for significantly less money than their collective cost of living on land. And all they had to do was just hop from ship to ship with just a few little breaks in between. Angeline, she's an accountant, so she'd work this out. By living on a ship, on a cruise ship, you can gain your room, you gain board, you've got entertainment that's built in, you go to different locations, you've got a magnificent living room, an absolutely gorgeous dining room, and a hot tub that never needs maintenance. It's a no-brainer, she said. The next voyage is, uh, that they're going to do is a 50-day European cruise in the summer, followed by a 108-day Australian cruise in the fall. 
As long as it remains financially feasible, the Burks intend to continue cruising forever, is the plan. That would be our dream, Richard said. Well, there you go. I've never been on a cruise ship, but I don't know, it sounds like a pretty good deal, as long as you don't get seasick, I guess, might be a criteria there. Um, but if that's the case, sounds pretty good. And for many years, my idea of heaven was a bit like this, like an eternal cruise ship experience. I had this idea that heaven would be like one big eternal holiday. No more work to worry about. Just leisure forevermore. That's what I thought it was going to be like. And I thought this because my default understanding was that work was part of the curse of the fall. So work was just this necessary evil now that we just had to do. But in heaven, that would all be gone and done with leisure forevermore. Well, you can imagine my shock when I discovered, when I found out that there would be work for us to do in heaven. I was shocked to learn this. And that work was not a curse of the fall, but before the fall, God actually gave us work as a gift. Did you see it there today in the reading, verse 15? The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. God gave us in the beginning work as a gift. Good and satisfying work was part of God's original plan for us. And when you stop and think about it for a moment, all of us have had the experience of satisfying, the, the satisfying and fulfilling nature of work. When we've experienced a, a, a job completed, you know, a job well done completed, it feels good, satisfying to see that. When we bring order out of chaos, whether it be cleaning up a messy room or tidying up an overgrown garden or even, dare I say, changing a, a baby's nappy uh, and then you get it cleaned up, the smell is gone, that fresh baby smell is back. That is a good, satisfying feeling when that is done. This is good work. This is good work as God intended for us. Recently, um, Sandy Perry just arrived back from Cambodia where she's been working among um, the poor and the marginalised in the prisons of Cambodia. Uh, many of you will be familiar with the Manor Garden in the prison in Siem Reap, this um, picture, this vision that God gave to her and how God has unfolded that. Sandra had been praying about how she could bless these prisoners. They were often had no food, often were struggling with health conditions, issues like scabies that were rampant among the prisoners. And so God gave her this idea of seeing if she could start a garden in the prison. Right, this would be a miracle for her to even get into the prison, but God um, moved in a powerful way. The prison doors were literally open for Sandy and she came in and she was able to start Manor Garden. I think we've got a photo actually of this garden. It's an amazing garden that she has set up in the prison. And the vision behind this was that the prisoners would learn a new skill, you know, they'd be able to get involved in actually growing the plants and give them something meaningful to do. Not only that, it would provide food for them to eat because they were often hungry as well. And, and this, this work would actually bring dignity and meaning and purpose to these prisoners. And God has had his hand on this vision. Like It is amazing to see the way that garden grows. Talk about the Garden of Eden. This garden is blessed. And this garden literally transformed the whole prison. Not only did it provide for the prisoners and the guards with much needed food, but it gave this purpose, this dignity to them, which was transforming, transformative for them. And it opened the way for Sandy to be able to do Bible teaching, Bible classes in the prison as well. And uh, she has a pastor, Pastor Isaac, who goes in and does Bible teaching. She wrote this in her latest update just this week after she returned. 
She said, what a wonderful surprise when I returned to the prison this month to see that after two years, the prison has continued with the garden as lush as ever, financed for seeds and materials, now paid for by the government prison department, which is a miracle in Cambodia. And the best news was that now there are 200 prisoners following Christ. What a privilege God has given me to work with him like this. How good is that? Praise God. And the even more exciting news is that um, Sandy, together with us as a church, we've been praying for some time around how this vision could um, be expanded beyond just this one prison. And Sandy was working on this and was excited for this and it was looking like it could be a possibility, but then COVID hit and all of that, that um, possibility was shut down um, for quite a significant period of time. And recently, Sandy was heading back over there just a few days before she jumped on the plane to head back over. Um, having fairly much given up on the vision of taking it to other prisons, she got word from one of the workers over there that the, the head prison officials have been so impacted by this that they now wanted her to take this into two other prisons, in one of the poorest areas, in fact, of Cambodia, up near the Thai border. And so suddenly, just a few days out, she got ready, she went over. When she arrived, she was invited to be the guest of the directors of the prison. I think we've got a photo. She was like the gardening celebrity guest of the prison directors there. They put on a big spread for her. Uh, and the funny thing is, before this, Sandy knew nothing about gardening. She didn't have a clue about gardening. She does now. And while she was there, they even did a grand opening for her. I think we've got another photo um, with all the guards from the prisons came together. This is an official photo they took. Um, Sandy had brought, um, brought seeds, fertilizers, materials to start the new garden, as well as medications there. And this official photo that you're seeing there was taken to be sent to the head of all the prisons, the director in Phnom Penh, like the main guy. So this vision is now spreading. And the package deal that comes with this garden project always, Sandy, is non-negotiable. It comes with Bible classes in there as well. Pastor Isaac um, has now, just this week on Monday, did his first... Um, lesson Bible class in one of these new prisons. Pray for Pastor Isaac. He has a little church. He travels a long way to go and to do these Bible classes. But literally, this is like revival happening in Cambodian prisons through a garden. I think that is amazing. I think we should give thanks to God for what he is doing in that place. Amazing. Praise God. But Sandy's manor garden vision is such a perfect example of the fact that work is not a curse. Right, but it's actually a gift from God. We were created to do good work. Work brings purpose and dignity and is satisfying and fulfilling. And the reason for this is because as we work, we are actually reflecting the image of God. Just as God brought order out of chaos in creation and takes delight in creating, in the same way, He has called us um, and created us to be workers as well, to be stewards of His creation. And without meaningful work, we sense significant inner loss and, and, and emptiness. And some, some of you, some of us have been on this journey and know what it feels like. People who are cut off from work because of physical and other reasons quickly discover how much they need work to thrive emotionally and physically and spiritually. And I'm not just talking about paid work here. I'm talking about being able to make a contribution, being able to take all, di all different sorts of roles here. We're able to engage in meaningful tasks and roles that make a contribution and, and bless others. This is important. This is how we're created. Recently, our Bridgman Online tech team have been working on a project that I think is, is pretty amazing, in fact. Many of you will remember... Um, Nathan Ford's testimony that was shared at Easter. He was baptised on Easter Sunday night. 
Uh, such a powerful story. Nathan has cerebral palsy. There's a picture of Nathan there. And although Nathan is very sharp in mind, his cerebral palsy limits him physically significantly. He's restricted to a wheelchair um, and it limits what he is able to do. Mind you, there's not much that Nathan won't have a go at, I want to tell you. And thanks to his amazing parents, Gavin and Denise, who are just incredible parents to Nathan, he's been able to do lots and lots of different things. But one thing that Nathan is very good at is gaming. Right? He is a bit of a gun on the Xbox. Uh, he's even received some sponsorship for the gaming that he does. Now, to make this possible, he has a specially designed Xbox controller that includes a foot pedal as well that he can use so that he is able to match it with the best gamers in the world. And Nathan, another hobby he enjoys, apart from gaming, is photography. He enjoys that as a hobby as well. So our Bridgman Online tech team had a God idea. They thought perhaps they could make a way for Nathan to be able to serve on our online tech team and by operating one of our cameras, if they could build a fully remote cameras on tracks that could move backwards and forwards and do everything um, as well and zooming and all those sorts of things as well moving, if they could design a camera like that and then make it so that it could sync up with his existing Xbox controller, which he already had, then Nathan could be on our camera team. Well, our guy set to work, and I think we've got a photo here of Ashton showing um, Nathan the new camera. It actually sits up the back, back corner here. And these guys have done a phenomenal job, built this camera from scratch. You need to check it out afterwards to see what they've done. And to see Nathan now being able to be part of our camera team and get some of our best camera shots, I think that is awesome. Don't you think that's incredible, church, to be able to do that? It's so good. And I just want to say I love the heart of our Bridgman Online tech team. They're incredible. Ashton and Alec, Caleb, Pastor John, there's a whole team of volunteers in there. They work really long and hard on putting that together. But they've got such an amazing heart to see this ministry reach out, bless others. And we want to say thanks to them for their gifts um, as well. But do you see how we were created to work? It's in our DNA because we have been created in the image of a creator, God. And, and by the way, God didn't cease work after creation. I know it said he rested there, but that wasn't the end of his work. Um, John, 15, John 5 verse 17, Jesus says these words, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. And this is part of his ongoing glory, that he continues to work. This is who God is. And of course, because of the fall, there is now also a burden and a frustration to work. Sin has marred good work. Uh, it's no longer as God intended it originally. And often work is full of challenges for us. And we'll be, many of us will be familiar with this. A little while back, I uh, went to water the garden. We just set up a new um, veggie patch in our backyard. We spent quite a bit of time and a bit of money to sort of set this veggie patch up, and the kids were excited, waiting to see the produce come. And on one particular day, I noticed that these veggie plants needed a bit of water, and there just happened to be a bucket of water right next to where the plant was, and I thought, this is perfect. So I took the bucket, and I poured it over these plants, and then as I finished watering it, I suddenly remembered um, something that I'd forgotten, and that is that that bucket of water, the day before, I had cleaned the salt cell of our pool in that bucket of water with a little bit of pool acid in there as well to clean it, and I'd forgotten to empty that bucket out. Well, this was the result of my garden, not the best, not the best outcome, not the best outcome. Because of the fall, there is now a burden and frustration to work, let me tell you that. 
Sin has marred work. And it means that that work is actually full of challenges for us, isn't it? It's not as God intended originally. And we're going to be looking more at the fall next week. But because of the burden and frustration of work, we can so easily develop a wrong view of our work. In Greek and Roman society, work was despised. Um, It was Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, who said that living without having to work was a primary qualification for a genuinely worthwhile life. And the reason for this view was because they believed that the physical, material world didn't really matter, but it was the spiritual world that was the ultimate. And so um, the reason for this was because they they, um, had a picture of the gods. Their picture of the gods was that they were removed from the physical. They didn't care about the physical. And so for for them to replicate that, it meant the goal of human beings was to become like their gods by withdrawing from from the physical material world and devoting themselves to contemplation. That was the ultimate for them. And as a result of this, different jobs began to have different um, certain statuses attached to them. So the work that used the mind rather than the body was considered nobler work. And the highest kind of work you could do was the most cognitive work and the least manual. And the whole Greek and Roman society, their social structure supported this view by depending on slaves to do the work for them, enabling the elite to devote themselves to the exercise of the mind in art and philosophy and politics. And interestingly enough, we all know that to a certain degree, this has continued to trickle down into our culture today. We know that even in our culture today, there are some jobs that we perceive as having a higher status than others in our culture. But in the Garden of Eden, we see that there is no such thing as menial work in the kingdom of God, but rather all work has value and worth. And what is fascinating is that in creation, God is seen as a gardener. That's the picture we have here. And then when God stepped down into his creation, he came as what? He came as a carpenter. I love this picture that we have from Scripture. This is so different to this Greek view, this Roman view that says the physical, the material doesn't matter, but instead we have a God getting his hands dirty in the very stuff of creation, in the dust of the earth we read here in Genesis 2. So do you see that there is no such thing as menial work in the kingdom of God, but all work is holy, all work has value and worth if it is done to him and for him. You know, often in the church, we can even have a wrong understanding of work because of what has been called the sacred-secular divide. This is this underlying assumption sometimes we can carry that the work that really matters to God is the spiritual work, you know, the work of the pastor or the, the missionary or the chaplain, and that God calls and anoints people for those sort of roles, those full-time Christian roles, but he doesn't call and anoint people to become you know, those secular roles like a teacher or a parent or a carpenter or a landscaper or a manager, right? But the Garden of Eden shows us that there's no such thing as a sacred secular divide when it comes to our calling and work, but rather all work is holy when it is done for the Lord. And all work has incredible importance and value. It was Martin Luther who said this, the reformer Martin Luther, who said, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to give us this day our daily bread. And he does give us our daily bread. He does it by means of the farmer who planted and harvested the grain, 
the baker who made the flour into bread, the person who prepared our meal. And today we might add to that the truck drivers who, who delivered the produce, the factory workers in the food processing plant, the warehouse workers, the wholesale distributors, the supermarket managers, the checkout operators, and even the cleaners. All of these people and more were instrumental in you receiving your daily bread today. Is it still God responsible for giving us our daily bread? You bet it is, it is. And could he give it to us directly by miraculous provision, like he once did for the children of Israel when he fed them daily with manna? He could, he can do that, and he still does do that today. But God has chosen to work through human beings who in their different capacities and according to their different talents, serve each other. To use another of Luther's examples, God could have decided to populate the earth by creating each new person from the dust, just as he did Adam and Eve. Have you ever thought about that? He could have done that way. But instead, he chose to create new life through the vocation of husbands and wives, fathers and mothers. I loved, we had a dedication here today just to highlight this. Right? Genesis 2 goes on to explain this, that God calls men and women together and grants them the ability to have children and he calls people into families in which through the love and care of the parents, just like Jess and Renee this morning, he extends his love and care for children. Right? This is the exact same doctrine of vocation and work that we see here in Genesis chapter two. When we or a loved one gets sick, we pray for healing, don't we? We have our prayer and healing service today at 2 p.m. And certainly God can and sometimes does grant healing through a miracle, and we love celebrating those stories. But normally, he grants healing through the vocations of doctors, nurses, pharmacists, lab technicians, and, and others in these roles. And let me tell you, that is no less significant. It is still God bringing his healing about into our lives. But he works through the means of skilled, talented, divinely equipped human beings. Do you see this morning how when God blesses us, he almost always does it through other people? I love Lucy Ella's testimony this morning too. I hadn't heard it until this morning, but she shared in there about how it was through the shift leaders and the other young people in shift and through being in community that God ministered his love to her. And this is what God does. He loves to work through us as his people. God, when God blesses us, he almost always does it through other people. The fast food worker, the inventor, the clerical assistant, the scientist, the accountant, the musician, they all have high callings used by God to bless and serve his people and his creation. So work is a gift. Our work is worship, is what it is. But work is not ultimate. We see here in Genesis that in the beginning, God gave us another gift and that is the gift of rest. Genesis 2, verse 3 said, Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Some of you may remember um, the story of the Chinese doctor in the Sichuan province in China who during COVID was just working around the clock, caring for different patients in the hospital ward. And eventually one day after just days of working back to back, he was returning to his car. And as he was in the lift going down to his parked car late at night, he actually collapsed from exhaustion in the lift. It was caught on security camera footage. 
And he, he collapsed in the lift. No one was around to help him. He sort of pulled himself to and he stumbled out of the lift as the lift doors opened. But again, just from sheer exhaustion, he collapsed on the floor, landing on his face. He knocked his teeth out. He was injured significantly. And he himself became a patient in the hospital. Well, the next day, this Chinese doctor was back at it working again. He had his, his noteboard there. He was reviewing cases. And he was hailed as a national hero. I think we've got a photo of him, in fact. He was hailed as a national hero for this hard work that he had done. Now, it, it's true that he, has, he is to be commended for his sacrifice, his hard work, his dedication to helping others. But his story also highlights for us that we were just not created to work 24-7, were we? Right? Our bodies were just not designed for this. We are not God, right? We were created by God to follow a Sabbath pattern of work and rest as ordained in creation. And we see here that the Sabbath rest is actually the climax of creation, this creation account. And I want to tell you here that God didn't rest because he was tired. I want to tell you that. We saw in the first week the amazing vastness of the universe. I want to tell you that was nothing for God, right? That was only giving us a tiny glimpse of how great and powerful our God is. But he rested not because he was tired, but because he was enjoying his good work. He said it was very good and he was resting to enjoy that. And when we rest and stop, we are actually reflecting the image of God and we bring glory to him through our rest. And this is really important because for so many of us in our modern society, our work has become our God. Right? It has become an idol for us. We look to work to give us our meaning and identity. We look to work to give us approval and affirmation in the eyes of others around us. We look to work to give us significance and status and even to give us security. We depend on our work for these things. And that means that our work then ends up consuming us and rules us. And it means that we can never truly rest from our work. Even when we're on holidays, we can't rest from our work. The Oscar-winning actress Helen Mirren illustrates this so well in her own words. She says this. She says, I wake up in the morning sometimes wanting to retire from my own ambition. Haven't I done enough? Proved myself enough to myself. Can't I be left in peace now? Why am I still eaten up with envy at what everyone else is doing? Why always the continuous anxiety, the worry, the one eye over the shoulder, wondering what's around, wondering who's been offered what? I wish I wasn't like that. I give anything to know what satisfaction feels like, she says. Insightful words. You see, when work becomes ultimate for us, it robs us of the joy of experiencing good work as God intended. And, and one of the ways we were able to keep this in check is through the biblical pattern of Sabbath work and rest. When we stop and rest, we are actually declaring some truths to ourselves and to others watching on as well. By stopping and resting, we are declaring that we are not God, but He is God. That's what we're declaring. When we stop and rest, we are declaring our trust is not in ourselves or in our own abilities and resources, but rather our faith and trust is in our Heavenly Father. By resting, we are declaring, God, you are my provider. Ultimately, you are the one who provides for me and sustains me. And by resting, we are declaring, God, my ultimate value and worth comes not through what I do, but through knowing you, knowing that I'm a child of God, knowing that I'm already loved. 
that I don't need to justify myself through my work because I have been justified already through your son, Jesus. And Jesus said on the cross what he said, it's finished, the work is done. That work of bringing us to God in faith. And by resting, we are declaring the words of Psalm 127, which says this, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Do you see how rest brings glory to God? At the end of um, this month, at the end of August, in fact, I'm taking seven weeks long service leave. This is my seventh year in my role as senior pastor, which, which is hard to believe, my 19th year here at Bridgman. And God challenged me over a year ago now that in the seventh year to take seven weeks off. And that was for a few reasons, I think. Partly because I think this is, this is being obedient to God's pattern, this Sabbath work rest pattern that he's ordained for us. But even more than that, I think he wanted to let me know that my value and worth doesn't come for my role as a pastor, but because God loves me and I'm a child of God that I am already loved. He wanted me to really know that deeply within my heart. Another part of this I felt is that it's good affirmation for the truth for all of us here that Jesus is the head of this church. Isn't that true? He is the one that we look to. He is the one who leads us and directs us and we look to him above all else and that we are to hold our roles, our callings humbly with open hands, stewarding them for the seasons that God entrusts them to us for. And it's going to be a blessing to take some time of spiritual renewal, some time of rest, time with family as well. And I'm so thankful for Pastor Andrew who's going to be stepping in and leading while I'm away, but also the whole team that God has put in place. I'm so blessed by the team that God has put together. And I want to say thank you to you, church, as well, for this opportunity I'm going to have to be able to do this. But do you see how when we stop and rest, we're actually affirming our trust in God, rather than in ourselves, rather than our own resources, we are declaring that He is able, that He is our provider, that ultimately life is found in Him, meaning and purpose is found in Him. Not in what we do, but in knowing Him, knowing that we are a child of God. So let me ask you this morning some questions to reflect on. Do you see your work as part of your worship or has it been for you just like a necessary evil that you just got to do to, to survive in this life? Do you see your work as insignificant, as not really important? Or do you recognize that your work is actually a holy calling from a creator God? Do you work just to serve yourself in your own interests? Or are you working because you realize it's an opportunity to bring blessing to others and to our world? Do you dream of you know, a season of just endless leisure, thinking this will fulfill your deepest desire? Is that your mindset this morning? Or maybe you think, you, you think only of work. Maybe you're looking to work to bring significance and security approval. Wherever you are on that journey today, God is asking all of us to surrender to Him afresh this very significant part of our life. A lot of our time is taken up with, with, with work and God is saying, I want you to bring your work and I want you to surrender it to me afresh today. God cares deeply about the work we do. He cares about your work situation. He cares about maybe some of the pressures and struggles you're facing right now. And He wants you to know that He is with you 
that He has anointed you, that He has called you. Like most of us, I remember very well my first ever job. It was making brooms and brushes. Um, And I worked for a company that made circular four polishing brushes and, and brooms. I should be clear though, they didn't actually trust me to make the brushes. I actually made the boxes that the brushes went into. So I should be clear about that. That was my job before they went out for delivery. Um, But there was a man who I worked with in that job who had a profound impact on my life. Um, This man actually did make the brushes. He would drill the holes for the fibre to go into. He would um, use the machine that would then punch the fibre into the brushes. And um, he always had just this incredible joy about him. He was always smiling when he worked. He always remembered my name. He was always... Um, just so affirming and encouraging to see him. And I remember him with these brushes. I remember as he'd pull them off the machines and he would pull his glasses down his nose and he would inspect them carefully and he'd have these little trimmers and by hand he'd just trim the, trim the tops of the, of the bristles just to make sure it was perfect. And then when he was just done right, he would then put it on the, on the stand ready to be taken out for delivery, delivery. And I remember watching this man work, the way he worked, it had a profound impact on me. What was interesting is that before this man worked in this job, he actually served as a missionary for many years overseas. And I was thinking, you know, it would have been easy for this man to view the work that he was now doing, making these brushes in some way less significant, less important. He could have carried a certain attitude towards this work, thinking, well, God, what am I doing here now? You know, I used to be a missionary serving you, but I want to tell you that couldn't have been further from the truth of how this godly man approached his work everyone could see it. His workstation was literally his worship station. You could see it with the joy in his heart. You could see it with the way he interacted with others. You could see it with the way he took care in the work that he was doing. As a young 18-year-old, I have never, ever forgotten that. You see, we often put all the focus on the work, what the work is that we do. And God does care about that. He's very interested work that we do because he's gifted us, he's created us, he's wired us a particular way. But more than that, more than even his interest in the work that we do, he is particularly interested in how and why we do the work that we are doing. That is what God is most interested in. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 puts it like this. It says, so whether you eat or drink, whether you're making brushes, whether you're serving at a checkout, whether you're working as a nurse, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This is our calling as followers of Jesus, to realise the incredible value of our work, to realise that God wants to work in and through us, to realise that we have all been given a holy calling and God wants to use that to bring blessing to us, to bring blessing to our world and through that to point people to a saviour who brings ultimate meaning and life and purpose that work can never ever bring for us and so I want to encourage you this morning to step into this church I want to encourage you this morning to see your work as God sees it to know that he's with you that he wants to help you on that journey so let me pray as we come to respond Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You know us so well because You created us, Lord. 
Forgive us when we've seen work as a burden to be endured. But Lord, help us this morning to see it as a gift from you and the way you want to use us to be a blessing to our world. And so now, Lord, in these few moments, we just want to respond, surrender this area of our lives to you afresh. Ask you to step in to help, to do your work, we pray. And so we ask this now, come by your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song. We're barely going to actually lead us. We're going to remain seated for the first part. It's a new song. And it talks about this idea that God is our provider. He is the one we can trust. He is the one in whom we ultimately gain fulfillment and satisfaction and find life in. But maybe this morning as the band going to lead us, we're going to sit for a little while, then we're going to stand. When we stand, if, if you are facing a particular challenge or pressure in your work, Situation right now at the morning, at this, this morning, right now at this, this moment. And I want to invite you when we stand, just come down the front and be prayed for because God cares about that. He cares about your work. And come, be prayed for this morning. Maybe you've got to make a big decision with regards to your work. God cares about that. Come, be prayed for. Respond in faith to God's word this morning. These are powerful moments when God speaks into something particular that we're working through. This is the moment to respond to him. Maybe you're in between jobs at the moment. You're asking God to provide in this way. Come, be prayed for this morning. Maybe you're seeking God regarding what career path to follow. God cares about that. He cares deeply about it. Come, be prayed for. Maybe you're a parent here today. This is part of that holy calling grandparent. I don't know what your role is in that space, but maybe you're saying, God, I need your help in this space, this holy calling. We pray for Jess and Renee. You can't. We'd love to pray for this morning as part of this as well. Maybe you're tired, you're worn out, exhausted from your work. Come, be refreshed, be renewed for this holy calling that God has given to you. He's with you. He is for you. So being going to lead us, let's reflect, let's surrender our work to God. And then as we stand, if you want prayer, you come forward during that time. Thanks, team of your leaders.
commissioning on all of us. We've all been called and so I want to ask God just to commission us and join us by His Holy Spirit. Let me do that. Heavenly Father, we thank You. It's true that we've been called, we've been chosen. You hold a holy plan and purpose for each one of us. And so now, Lord, I pray that You'll anoint us by Your Holy Spirit for the tasks, the plans, the work You have for us to do this week. Lord, we'll know Your help. We'll know Your wisdom, Lord. We'll know Your guidance, Lord. We'll know Your empowering. We'll know Your love filling us as we seek to serve others, to serve our world and to ultimately point people to You, Lord Jesus. So come by Your Holy Spirit and anoint us as Your people as the worship begins this week, tomorrow morning as we get up, Lord. 
May you be glorified, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Please be seated. If you'd like prayer, continues to come down the front, our prayer lounge, be up the back as well. Don't forget our connections lounge if you're new to those online as well. Make sure you reach out through those online channels. God bless you. Thanks so much for sharing with us.